Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, hosting a fundraiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow. And today we have a very, very special guest, my guy, Ralph. Ralph Stringer. What's up, boss? How are you? I'm doing great, Sean. You know, another day in paradise, man. How about yourself? I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join. And so uh, we're going to talk about the, the another day in paradise. Uh, so we're, we're, we're referring to South Florida. Yes, indeed. Where we actually met in South Florida was actually really crazy that we're actually both from the same hometown. Yep, yep, yep. War, Ohio, but it, it took us to being in South Florida for us to get connected. So, so we're um we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. But but as you know, as a former athlete, you know the importance of warming up and stretching, right? Gotcha. Yep, yep. I got a couple warm up questions. You ready? Okay. Okay. Here we go, Ralph. I know you got great music taste, but if you're going to listen to one musical artist for 30 days straight, only one, who are you selecting? Oh, man, that's a tough one, Sean. You almost, that's almost like asking me which one of my kids I'm going to spend the day with, man. You know, <laughs> kind of depends on the mood. So, right. ooh, if I had to do one, uh, I'm, I'm going to do a duet. You know, that okay. duet might be a little bit old school. I'm going I'm to have Prince and Sade, you know. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I'm cheating. I'm now. cheating. I know. Come on. Those are the two legends. They, they do not have any songs together that I'm aware of, correct? No, they don't. I just put them together. <laughs> See, I'm a producer in the back of my mind, so I'm trying to hedge my bet so I get double trouble, you know? Right. So, right. You know, it's all, it, it's, I, I was going to say, well, maybe a soundtrack, you know, because then I can get all of them blended mm, together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I know one of the artists that come up for me is Stevie Wonder. Like it's oh, hard, it's hard. Yeah. You any kind of movie you're in, you could go with Stevie yeah, Wonder. That's true. And, that's true. And, and I really just started getting into his catalog and starting to find some of those hidden gems, those album cuts. Like, yeah. you know, so even beyond the Sir Dukes of the world, Ralph though, you going Prince or Sade though? You okay. Gotta, you and gotta if go I more. gotta go, I, I might go Prince because he can give you a little bit of everything. And I'm a frustrated guitar player. And so I would say, you know, in my in my younger days, I wanted to be Jimi Hendrix. But, mm. you know, that would be hard to listen to for 30 days. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy can play, but he couldn't sing. You know? <laughs> right. So, you know. Right. Awesome, so I'm awesome. going to do Prince, man. I'm going to do Prince because I can, you know, get a little bit of everything in there. Right. That's a wonderful choice. So you live in paradise. Yeah. So so when you think about your favorite vacation spot, what would you choose? Well, currently, I would probably, I, I mean, obviously, this is vacation paradise in South Florida. Right. But I'm going to go with Portugal since my wife is Portuguese. Mm. We usually spend a little time there. So everybody's happy because, you know, the kids love the grandparents and you've got the ocean, you've got the country, you got, you know, wine country, you got a little bit of everything there. So I'm going to say Portugal. Oh, that's a great selection. I've never been. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. And so last one more question. Okay. 
favorite TV show of all time. Oh, man. And until this day, if it comes on, you can still watch the episode. Oh, man. Okay. See, that you, you, this is hard stuff, man, because I'm kind of like, you know, I, I kind of bounce all over the place. Okay. But, but since it was a conversation recently, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, In Living Color. Because so much talent came out of there, man. Because you can almost get a little bit of everybody if you think of living in living color, you know. Wow. Yeah, that's great. So when you think of living color, what's some of the characters stand out? I think of uh, Jamie Foxx with Wanda. What are some of the characters that stand oh, man, out? For Wanda, you? Fire Marshal Bill, yeah. <laughs> uh, and some of the others. I, I can't even remember all of them because they yeah. go back and forth between everybody in there, man. So that was, I, I'd say that was one that, Always, you know, you're going to leave with something. No, that's true. Andy no, Fox is unbelievable because, you know, I mean, his talent, you know, on that show and beyond is just right. unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I can also put him in my listen to music category there, man, because he can you sing could. too. You could. You really could. You really could. I get Jamie. He can impersonate anybody. That's true. You that's know. true. He can do it all. There's nothing he cannot do. The uh, Living Color, wow, that was great. I remember... You know, the Fly Girls, wasn't that Jennifer Lopez was a Jennifer Fly Girl? Lopez was one of them, yes. They, they had some legends. I remember, was it Keena Ivory Wayans when he was doing uh, Mike Tyson? I think oh, he did it. And, and then um, you can't think about, what's his brother? Damon Wayans? Like, All of them, yeah. yeah. And then we ended up with one of my clients being in in, in uh, Ace Ventura. So with yeah. Jim Carrey right. out there, you know. Right, right. And we're going to speak about that that a little later. That's pretty awesome. That's really cool. The uh, And also, you know, I just thought about, uh, so Damon, it just came, I haven't thought about this character in a, in a while. Damon Wayans played uh, Homie the Clown. Oh, yes, yes. You remember that? Yes. That's why everybody's still scared of clowns, man. Right. <laughs> and so Homie the Clown, I don't know if he had a sock, he had something, but he always he would hit, hit hit somebody's like homie don't play that yeah, so man. i remember being a child having my little sock hit me like homie don't play that and when you look at the career of those guys after that show it just yeah. went on to you know everybody on there was doing something great i mean like you said and as this five girl now you know right her right. career take us back hometown where you from uh, your early introduction to sports. Take it away a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, as you know, I'm from Warren, Ohio. By the way, I was back there this past weekend for the first time in a while. And so, you, you know, as you know, growing up in Warren, man, it was sports was big. Right. And uh, it was the typical, if you go back to the days of the steel mill town, you know, the factory, it was not anything exciting other than that blue collar, blue collar town. But but sports was it, man. Football. Uh, baseball. I, I can't say that we were great in basketball in that area, but certainly, you know, football, we were dominant, you know, right. Lawrence, uh, from that standpoint. So that, that, that was it growing up, man. Just play sports, go out in the street, you know, play in the street, play in the field. And then once you got to school, you know, play there. Yeah. And so, so when I think of Warren, I think of sports and also think about some of the, uh, the staples as far as food and some of the restaurants. So when you think about one, I know you were just there. Was yeah. there a certain spots that you were looking for that's no longer there? Or do you remember some spots that you have fond memories of some restaurants growing up in our well, small hometown? When, when I was growing up, man, we didn't really do the restaurant thing, you know, because, you know, we, we didn't have that eating out money like you, man. <laughs> you know, it, it was mom cooking in the kitchen on a regular basis other than 
other than the hot dog shop, man, you know, down and, and, and that's where I was going to go. You I know, I go to the hot dog shop. Yeah, yes. no, that was my joint. I would go to the hot dog shop, and my wife gets me sometime now because, you know, she she's going to save me by helping me eat healthy. So yeah, you know, like if I go to a golf tournament, I'm gonna sneak in. You know, they could have steak, and I'm gonna sneak and get that hot dog. Man. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you, but that do was, you, yeah. Do you remember um, Eli's Barbecue? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. But yeah, yeah that. But that's the other thing too, man. I remember getting uh, barbecue on white bread with hot sauce. You know, that Ooh. was a kind of a. Yeah, that was kind of one of the deals growing up too. Now, so. right, right, right. So, so we're going to talk about uh, football. So, what other sports did you play? So, you mentioned baseball, basketball. Did you play the yeah. other sports? Did you so, run track? Yeah. So, I ran track. I ran, and so in high school, I played baseball when I was younger, and that was probably my worst sport. You know, mm. I, I wanted to be. I, I wanted to hit home runs all the time, and all I could hit was base hits. You know, gotcha. So, I played baseball. I played uh, basketball. And I played and I ran track and football. Basketball was my favorite sport, you know, mm. growing up until I realized I probably, you know, couldn't see my way to the NBA at my <laughs> height. But right. you know, that was my favorite sport. So. Excellent. So outside of sports, other other interests you had? Uh, yeah, music was, you know, I, I mean, I always enjoyed music. I mean, I played in the band, believe it or not. So did I, you? So I, when? What, what I used to tell the story that, you know, I'd play football and at halftime, I'd go out with the marching band and then come back in. That's not really true, but I okay. used to say that. Uh, and then I played guitar. So, you know, I was in a little band uh, in high school until, uh, you know, we went over to Pittsburgh and the, and the uh, bar owner hit the bass player in the head with this with his pistol and said he wasn't gonna pay us so that ended my music career whoa wait is, is you were in high school then? yeah i was in high school yeah and i should play with some older guys you know okay wow yeah wow that, that, i know that was scary i still have my fender stratocaster you know in in honor of Jimi hendrix now can i play it no but i can you know i look good holding it so awesome is it a five string six string six string yeah, yeah. six string let's go Extreme. So, so did you take lessons? Music yeah, I did. I, did. I, I mean, I okay. took, you know, I read music, you know, okay. obviously for the saxophone because I played in the school band. I and, did not uh, know you played the saxophone, the alto. Yeah, yeah, alto. So did so I actually still play the alto. Uh oh, there we go. Yeah, and so I mean, loosely, yeah, yeah. loosely yeah, played. Uh, it's probably I, I probably loosely played the alto like I loosely played a golf. So and I loosely <laughs> played a guitar, you know. So so right, 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 right. That's cool. So, so when were you in the band? Was this middle school, high school? Yeah, all the elementary? way up. And I, I think I started, if I remember correctly, I may have started in elementary school and then played all the way up, you know, to high school. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, what did you start? Did you you started with the saxophone? With the saxophone. Yeah, that was my primary instrument. And then the guitar was not, you know, in the school. It was just me on my right. own with that. Just had an interest in playing. That's really know. cool. So, you read music. Uh, can you also play by ear? At least you could. Uh, well, I, re I read music for the saxophone. The guitar was all, I, I was not very good at reading music. So that was, you know, more. Ear wow, that's impressive. The, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I tried to read music, but I, I, I got an uh, instructor that was just really good. And he'd just teach me stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. I, um, so with the saxophone, I played by ear. And okay. so, and so, uh, but it caught up to me. 
so I used to play in church, right? So okay. you, know, you play by ear by church, right? And so, yeah, yeah. Um, but it caught up to me. I want to say I was in middle school and uh, because I was like, I, I was listening to what they're playing and I'm, I'm going to follow along right. and play. But then when it was time to, you know, you had to perform and to see what oh, seats yeah. were going to be. And I didn't practice. I didn't even read the music. Right. And so, <laughs> and so how they how they had it set up is that they gave you the piece and you're supposed to take it into a room Mm -hmm. uh, buy yourself, close the door, you record yourself playing. Yeah, you start and looking at it like, what is this? I was this? lost. Well, see, we had to read music for, for that. For the band, right. so we had no choice. Yeah. Yeah, so. I just like, I don't know what's going on. I just started riffing. I just right, started right, right. doing something like I was doing church, and that got me. It was out of 14. I had a 14 uh, saxophonist and I was number 14. Okay. And so, <laughs> so it got me last. And that was the first um, half of school. And, but then I, I was like, no, I, I can, I'm going to learn this and learn this, you know, how to right, read right, music. Right. And so then when we had opportunity in the second half of school, I ended up being the, um, I think I was maybe fifth chair. So I went okay, from 14 okay. to five. So you, you, were, five. you were like Nick Cannon at Drumline, you know. <laughs> You could play, but you had to, you know, they got you when it came time to reading. So now you got to, you know, you got to figure that out. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a classic movie, classic movie. Yeah. So so talk about high school football. So uh, high school football, you know, I, it's interesting because we had, you know, Warren Western Reserve, two really big high schools when I was growing up in, in Warren, Warren Western Reserve and Warren Harding. And I didn't right. go to either one of them. I went to a school that was outside of the city limits called Labre. Right. And so, you know, my, my older brother had played there. So he was a, you know, good running back. And so then I followed and I came and, uh, uh, you know, we were, we were pretty good. I mean, we never went to the state or anything, but around that, that County, we, we had a pretty good football team, but we were, we were nothing like the other two big powerhouses. Cause you know, I, I think the year that I, graduated I may have been the only one or maybe my quarter my high school quarterback he went to Kent State and then I went to North Carolina State that was we were the only two people to get you know scholarship right offers so from that standpoint uh you know even though we were a good team we you know I was big I was as big as some of my linemen so mm -hmm. and I, I played both ways I played you know running back and defensive back and kickoff you know and punt returns kind of everything and I actually kicked off too. So yeah. you, you wait, 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 wait. You didn't just receive the ball. You actually kicked the ball off as well. Oh yeah, man. I could kick that. I could, you know, the kickoff, not punt, but yeah. Yeah. Now, now could you, um, could you uh, make field goals as well? Uh, no, we didn't do field goals, man. We just, I, I didn't do field. I just kicked off because that was it. Okay. I just wanted to kick through the goalposts. You know, that was the old days. I'd wear that big square toe, man, when I kicked it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't That's a soccer awesome. kicker. And so, so how was the recruiting process for you? Like, so what schools were you thinking about, and then why did you decide to go where you? So, uh, uh, back in those days, you know, you could sign multiple letters of intent. So I no you know, no I did not know that. That's news yeah. to me. So I I signed in three different conferences. So um, I signed. One of the high school coaches had gotten a job at Kent State. So, uh, you know, it was like, look, you need to sign so I can at least, even though you're not going here, so, I, so they'll know you're not going anywhere else in the conference. So I, I signed a letter of intent at Kent. I signed a letter uh, at Michigan State in the Big Ten. And then I signed at NC State. 
in the ACC. And so when it was, you know, and I had told the others, I mean, you know, that I, I was going to NC State, but, you know, everybody showed up on the final day and everybody was mad, you know. Oh, wow. Like, I, you know, and I was pretty clear with it. So, um, but yeah, so I, and, and in that recruiting process, I visited a number of schools and then I just kind of got burnt out. I mean, I, I like West Virginia. Uh, I was going to visit, what's ironic, when I look at where I am now, I was going to visit University of Florida, and I canceled uh, before that trip. And what's ironic is my high school coach, who was, you know, one of the greatest, you know, people of all time, uh, had been offered, supposedly offered a job if I had gone there. Wow. Before I went there, uh, I canceled the trip. And, you know, what was great about that coach is the only thing he said was, you know, are you sure? And I said, yeah, man, I'm, I'm tired. And he said, okay, if you made your decision, that's fine. Never said anything until it was all over. Wow. So uh, That's impressive. And so there, you know, some places I was recruited as a, as a running back and other places I was recruited as a defensive back. So, and I went to NC State as a running back and ended up playing defense as a freshman because a couple of the defensive backs quit. So I had an opportunity to get on the field quick and, and then never went back. How about but that? I did kick out punt returns. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So you played corner? I played corner. And then uh, what's ironic is uh, at that time, Lou Holtz was the head coach. And the guy, well, my recruiting coach was a guy named Bo Ryan. Bo became, uh, Lou left during the time I was there and went to the Jets after a couple years. And Bo Ryan actually played me, started to play me both ways. Uh, and then I had an injury. So I ended up redshirting, you know, for a year or so. Wow. So I went back to defensive back only. So, Lou, so take me back. You just dropped a legend. Lou Host recruited you to go to NC State? Yeah. 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 Wow. So, yeah. so how, how was it being coached by uh, – a, a great like that uh it was it was listen, listen it was great other than the fact when i was a freshman you know lou didn't really like freshmen making mistakes oh and so you know <laughs> if you make a mistake as a freshman it's because you you know you're a freshman so uh we we sometimes couldn't see eye to eye my freshman year but you know primarily because i thought you know i should have been uh starting and uh, but i was playing a lot but i didn't get to start mm you know, which was kind of ironic to me. So, so we used to battle and I, you know, so anytime you made a mistake, he was hard on you. And then after that, you know, the next year I could make a mistake and, you know, he, he wouldn't even say anything. Mm, okay. So, yeah. Uh, you earned your stripes. Yeah. And then he would, yeah. I mean, even, he, I mean, to, from a support standpoint, he actually threatened to boycott the, uh, the all ACC uh, banquet because I was not the all conference uh, return man my sophomore year and I had the best average. So, hmm. wow. So, but, but you know, the great thing about, you know, great coaches is they know how to push buttons and yeah. so they could find what, you know, what motivated you. So, uh, wow. So I'm, I'm taking you off the field. We'll go back to the field. What, what did you major in? Uh, I majored in communications. So, uh, and it, well, it ended up, I thought I was majoring in radio and TV and, uh, it, but it ended up that my school I went to didn't have that as a, as a, uh, curriculum or career option. 
So, uh, but but they did a nice job of showing me the uh, television station, which happened to be right across the street from the campus. So oh. I thought, oh, this is an unbelievable program they got here. It was actually the commercial NBC affiliate. And then when I got there, I found out we only had speech communications. So that's what I majored in. So so going into college, you had an interest in being on like a uh, working behind the scenes or being on air personality, radio or television? Uh, Ne- probably neither more so radio because I did, you know, I worked at the student radio station. So I used to do a, a, a late night show and, you know, had a couple, had a couple names, you know, one was uh, uh, the ice man, <laughs> you know? So I did, I did radio uh, at the, at the campus station. So, so at NC state, you, you were uh, an owner personality. You did radio there. Yeah. The ice man. Yes, the sir. Iceman. So wait, yeah. did you play music? What, what did you do? Oh, I what played music. It was, it was a request show. So, you know, it would be like, uh, hey, you know, while your man's working a midnight shift, spend the night with Phil Cox. I had two names. One was Phil Cox and the other was the Iceman. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I love it. Phil Cox, the brother PC. You know, I'm on the. Hey, I, I, you just changed it to your radio voice. I ain't know hey, you had man, that. Man, I clipped on to the brother PC on from twelve to three, while he's working the night shift, spending the night with me. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, I had no idea. Oh yes, yes. Ice man. So how long did you do it? Like for a semester, a couple, a couple. Oh, I did episodes? like a couple years while I was there. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. That no, was no. as I could get because remember I I thought I was going for radio and TV and it ended up in speech communication. So at least we had a radio station, you know, wow. and the TV station. So yeah, that's pretty cool. So now did people know that it was you? Like your teammates know? Like or, or oh yeah like, yeah all, all, yeah all the dudes yeah they knew it was me yeah. Yes. Ice man, I love it. I yeah, love Ice it. Man. Yeah, and so um, did you have dreams of, of being a professional athlete going to the NFL? Uh, yeah, I did. Like, you know, anybody that, that played uh, at that level, you right. know, that's always in the back of your mind. So, you know, you think you have an opportunity and uh, especially if you have, you know, a certain degree of success and you totally. Yeah. So and, you, and you're playing against other guys and, you know, you're getting accolades, all conference and all that stuff. So you start to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so 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 what happened? So how did that dream uh, defer for you? Yeah, well, I, I, I think in a couple ways, you know, um, for me, I had, I, I was very lucky. I had gone for three years with never having an injury. And then in a very short period of time, uh, you know, I ended up having five surgeries in, you know, a little over 12 months. So wow. I, I, I ended up uh, with a, with a knee injury which was a freak accident and I'll chronicalize all these things. A knee injury and a freak accident where I just uh, was jogging out for picture day and stepped in a hole. What? For picture day? Oh yeah. Had orthoscopic knee surgery. Then I I dislocated uh, my shoulder and chipped a bone. So I had two shoulder surgeries. And so during that time, because of that, that's why I was actually redshirted. You know, when I said I played offense and defense, because, you know, I was I was ranked, you know, fairly high. But they were like, look, man, if you come back and have your senior year I, and I was scheduled to graduate. So I could have gone on and left and t- taken my chances in the draft. But they say, hey, if you come back and have, you know, finish out your senior year, you know, you got a chance of being a really low round draft pick. 
Yeah. So I came back, you know, for that senior year. And then uh, before the season started, that spring break, I was playing a pickup basketball game and freak accident and uh, ended up losing an eye by a guy sticking his finger in my eye, swinging at a ball. So oh. now. Hold I, on. Hold on. Hold on. You can't just go over that are you serious yeah so i i had made all american that year and then i i count you know then i had the shoulder injury so now i come back to finish out because i've missed the whole my first senior season right but now i come back and i'm just you know spring break instead of going back to warren yeah i stay at the stay there and playing basketball at the gym and just a freak act the guy yes uh destroys my eye Wow. So, so how did it, did it, did it rupture? Like what happened? Yeah. So it, we happen, happen to have some coaches in the gym at the time, Sean. So what's ironic, you know, when you get hit, you instantly have that pain. So I was, you know, covering my eye and I go over to one of the coaches. I said, man, guy, I just got hit in the eye. You know, can you take a look? Cause I couldn't open it. So I just opened yeah. it with my hand and I could hear the coach kind of, uh, we need to take you to the hospital. Wow. And uh, so I went, you know, had a couple surgeries, but obviously it was, you know, too damaged to repair. Mm. So now I, I come back. So now, obviously, you know, there, there's an issue. Yeah. Uh, wasn't, wasn't that many in the old days. You didn't have that many. Uh, you didn't have one eye defensive backs. Right. But what's ironic is because, you know, your depth perception, everything changes. So uh, but what's our, when I first got out of the hospital, man, I, I would back into a car space and I'd get out. And I'd be 10 feet, you know, from the oh, end of the space, yeah. out in the, you know, in the street. And so over a period of time, now I'm thinking I got to play football. I do punt return. I do kickoff returns. And when you when you lose an eye, your depth perception changes. So if something's coming straight at you, you can't tell the distance. Mm. So if you were to throw me a set of keys, I couldn't tell you know, where it was going to be. And so wow. now I went from being this great athlete, easy to catch, do all this stuff. Yeah. Clumsy. Right. So, so when I came back, I ended up having to now relearn things. So uh, I remember they're saying, you know, you're doing, a, I remember the coaches saying, man, you're doing a lot. You know, maybe what we'll do is just take you off a kickoff and punt returns. Well, I know what they were thinking right you know, beforehand, like he won't be able to catch the punt. So let's just take him off. He won't be able to, catch a kickoff and what's ironic is the punt was easier to catch than the kickoff because when it's moving you can get a judgment right so right depth perception is off all you got to do if i can get an angle then you can see where it is if something's straight at you it's a lot harder yeah so, and that, that makes a lot of sense because kickoffs usually they, they, they don't, it's not a lot of movement right right straight. right so straight. yeah wow so so then and i and i wore i had to wear safety you know, glasses. So I used to wear, if you remember the old basketball player, Kurt Rambis, the yeah. black safety. So I used to wear safety glasses. Like Eric Dickerson. Yeah. We didn't have the shields. We weren't so cool to have a shield, but yeah, I'd be like the Eric Dickerson glasses. And uh, so, you know, I come back and the coach said, you know what? And after, you know, once they saw that, okay, he, he's all right. And I was thinking, listen, at corner, all you got to do is line me up on one side. The eye's not a big deal. Because, you know, the, if I'm on the right side, you know, I got the whole field. Yeah. You know? And so, so my coach was like, listen, what we're going to do to really show that you can play anywhere at the next level, they played me at safety. 
They said, we're going to put you in the middle of the field. And so if you can show that you can play here, it's obvious, you know, you've already shown you can play corner. Right. So I ended up playing safety with, you know, with the one eye my, my senior year. Mm. And, uh, and, and did well, but, you know, the draft rolled around and there weren't a lot of people willing to draft a, uh, you know, one eye yeah. defensive back. So, and, and same thing I did, I did, I ended up doing kickoff and punt returns because after the, you know, they'd taken me off of punts and after a couple fumbles, they said, uh, all right, you may as well go back and do it again. Yeah. So I, so I had, you know, I did well on kickoff and punt returns again, but when the draft came around, I wasn't drafted. Mm. So I signed wow. as a free agent. And uh, I had, a, you know, a few opportunities and I decided that Atlanta was the best opportunity for me. So I signed with Atlanta. OK. And, uh, you know, went in and, you know, a couple of things came. I was supposed to sign a waiver for the I, which I never signed. And, uh, you know, I thought I was doing great, doing good until, you know, I got a couple pair of uh, safety glasses broken in practice on back to back. No, all the guys used to say, man, why don't you wear contacts? You know, I said, no, no, that's, you know, I, I like these better, you know, because right. some guys didn't even know. Yeah, no, right, you know, right. Deal, and I wasn't volunteering. Definitely, no. And uh, so eventually, I, you know, I got a couple pair of glasses, you know, uh, broken, and then I ended up getting called in and got cut, you know, like the last preseason game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell people, though, you know, about that, and, you know, they say, well, you know, if it wasn't for the eye, you know, you would have made it and that sort of thing, you know, because a lot of guys I played with. And, and, and I, I kind of felt that way, too, because I know there were a whole lot of guys, as you know, that I'm like, wait a minute, you know, and I'm here at practice every day. Right. And I tell people, I said, sometimes, though, you, you get comfortable. And that's why I tell young guys going into the league, I say, don't judge yourself by the talent that's around you. You know, you start looking at guys and say, well, I'm playing better than him and I'm faster than him. And then you start making that determination you know, that, you know, I should be here and you get comfortable. And what I always tell guys is always compare yourself against yourself. I love it. And when yes. I look back, when I look back, Sean, I say, did I make myself indispensable? And I have to answer and say, no. And I say, could I have made myself indispensable? And the answer to that is yes, because I got comfortable and started listening to the hype. You yeah. know, guys say, hey, man, you, you know, you got it. You, you got it made. You know, you, you, you're good, you know. And so what you forget about when you go into the league is the coaches know some of those veterans and they may not be playing well now, but they may. But they got a they got a history of five years, six years. And the coach knows what right. they do under pressure. For you, you got to You got to show something. And I always say this to young guys. You got to show something that makes them think. All right, I know what the old dude can do under pressure, but the old dude can't do anything that this new dude's doing right now. I'm, you know, that's yeah. time for a change. And that's the one thing that I regret when I look back that I got comfortable. And I didn't think about not only was I a rookie. But I was so one eye. And, and the one thing that, you know, that I didn't get to do was the last preseason game was the game where I was supposed to do my do the kickoff and punt returns. It was my turn. Okay. And, I, and I and I got those glasses, the, the injury, you know, the, the cut above my eye right before that game. And I got taken off of the return mm. team, you know, that week. Yeah. So, 
and which is and I would have been going back to your your college area because we were playing Pittsburgh. So, okay. yeah. So instead of being a return man for that game, I end up being the wedge buster on the kickoff coverage. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little different. It is not. A, it's not the same type of exposure. Yeah. 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 You can, you and, and I'm. And all of a sudden, I'm not the sprint man. I'm not. You know. I'm not the. You know. So. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. So. Um, so after Atlanta, so the NFL didn't work out. What did yeah. you do next? What well, I, what, what's funny is I actually got you know the the uh, next year Cleveland called me and oh. Uh, and I and I went to camp and, uh, you know, we, I'm t- taking my physical because some of those guys like that time, Ozzie knew some we'd been on the Playboy All-American team together. And uh, and, uh, you know, they go to give me my physical and they said uh, and I said, well, you don't need to check that eye. And they said, well, what do you mean we don't need to check the eye? I said, you know, because they were doing that. I said, you know, it's a prosthesis. And so. The, you know, next thing I know, I get called in the office and say, hey, we, you know, we we didn't know there was an issue with the eye. We thought the eye was okay. I'm like, well, the eye is okay, but it's, it's the same thing, you know, the way I played in college and, you know, right. It's just, it's okay. You just no vision. And they said, well, you know, morally we wouldn't feel right. If, you know, if something happened and da da da. So then at that point I realized I'm not going to keep chasing this dream. Mm. So at that point I ended up, uh, um, you know, kind of that, that dream deferred, man. I, I, I thought about what I really wanted to do. Now, here's the ironic thing. I decided to pack my car and drive to Los Angeles and become a screenwriter. What? I used to, you know, I used to write a lot, too. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you, all these hidden gems. So, so, so when, when, did, when did you start writing? Like, like college? Oh, college, yeah, yeah. I used to write all the time. I used to, you know, write songs and write stuff. And I was like, and, you know, and I couldn't act, but I wanted to be, you mm. know, uh, a, a, a kind of an entertainer. You know how all the athletes want to be entertainers, entertainers want to be athletes. want to be athletes, right. And uh, I ended up, uh, but again, another one of those dream deferred, you know, I ended up never going all the way. I ended up stopping in Kansas City, started working in Kansas City, and I and I was like, okay, you know, one day I've been there for a year, and I said, God, I mean, I, you know, I got to I got to have a sign. I need a sign. Either it's yeah. time for me to move on to go to L.A. or do something else, but I need a sign. And and the next day I get a call from a television station in Wilmington, North Carolina, home of Michael Jordan, saying, hey, we have a job for a weekend sportscaster. Are you interested? What? How did they hear about you? Because I did radio and TV. From back then. So this is only like, you know, a year and a half out of of college. college. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You were in North Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina State. Is in what's in Raleigh? It's in Raleigh. Raleigh. Yep. Yep. Okay. Got it. So the other thing I had done, Sean, during that time, because of the eye injury, right? And I had won the Brian Piccolo Award, you know, because of that and coming back, I used to do some motivational speaking when I was in college around that. Right. So so I had spoken in, you know, in Wilmington. I had done the radio stuff, and I don't know exactly how they found me. Uh, for that specific job, but you know, growing up being an you know all American athlete and all ACC, totally, state, people at least knew the name. 
So they said, look, if you want to come do an, you know, we'd like you to do an audition. And, uh, you know, if you get it, that's your gig. Yeah. So I was like, wait a minute. I look at the map. And if you draw a straight line from Los Angeles straight across the United States, there's Wilmington, North Carolina on the other coast. Hmm. I didn't and know I was, that. I, this is the sign. <laughs> you know, I think God gave me the sign. <laughs> Do not go to L.A. So I went yeah. back to Wilmington and I ended up doing weekend sports for, you know, for a year. And then I realized I just didn't like being on TV, you know, for, for whatever reason. You know, it's like you show up somewhere, man, and people looking at you. And, you know, I'm from Warren, man. So I think they're looking at me like, what are you looking at me for? You know, I know right, attitude I get. And then I'd realize, oh, shoot, that's right. He saw me on TV. Right. You know, so uh, You had to get used to that. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. Before, before we go, the transition after that, why did you stop in Kansas City? Well, uh, I, I, I better be careful on this when you dip I got it. I already know the answer. Okay. That I was my first answer. wife. That's what I figured. <laughs> I know the answer. So, so, after, so after Wilmington, you decided, so what was the transition after that? So, so at that time, you know, I was like, okay, this isn't working. So, you know, I've just had enough of this. And I decided that I was going to, at that time, that was when I got married the first time. And so at that time, my ex-wife was living in Kansas City. I was living in North Carolina. We decided, okay, we're going to get married. We picked a mutual spot, which was Washington, D.C. So... Mm. I thought I was going to go to work at the radio station there because I had some connections and uh, she was going to find a job. So that was kind of the relocation. And I went to I, I, I didn't get the job at the radio station, you know, so I could be back to Iceman again. And uh, I, <laughs> well, I, Phil I Cox. <laughs> Phil Cox. So I started working at Howard as a graduate assistant. So uh, which was kind of ironic because, I, you know, I. In the back of my mind, by the way, when I went to NC State, I was on the same football team with the first two black athletes to get scholarships. Oh, so that, that soaked in a little bit. How about that? Yeah. Wow. That, so, so I, I, I had in the back of my mind that I, you know, always wanted to attend, you know, a black college, and mm -hmm. so I was like, you know what? So I, I enrolled in Howard at, at Mass Communications. And I uh, was working with the football program. And after being there a couple of semesters and not getting that first stipend, I was like, OK, I guess I got to go to work because, you know, and then I, then I went to work for, for Xerox. And, oh, so you sales. Yeah, doing sales. Sales, sales. So how did you get into this, this marketing management space? So, so at that time, I went to work with, uh, for Xerox. And in, in the old days, there was what they call the big three in sports marketing, IMG, ProServe, and Advantage. And two of those companies were in Washington, D.C. So I'm working at Xerox. And by the way, at that time, you know, one of the other sales reps uh, happened to be at Xerox was James Brown, CBS. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, How about that? Yeah, yeah so that's cool. at the same time. So, yeah. so the two of the big sports marketing firms were in D.C., and, uh, you know, and I was working and I was doing well and, you know, financially at Xerox, but I just didn't enjoy what I was doing. And so I wanted to kind of combine the, the sports and the selling. And because those companies were right there, it was easy to get an interview. So I ended up getting an interview and uh, uh, 
got offered the job and kind of delayed because I had to take a pay cut. And I, you know, in the back of your mind, like, I'm not quite ready for that. Yeah. And so I, I continued to work at Xerox. And then you realize, you know, that you, you just don't have the passion for what you're doing. So I ended up saying, okay, I think I'll take a pay cut and do something I enjoy. And that's when I got into the sports marketing. And that's mm. when firms at that time were starting to really um, solidify how they did business, you know, so and really talk about how do we market. So um, which company did you did you end up, I end up going to Advantage International? And okay. so Advantage was a split. A pro, ProServe was the actual company. And then it split in two. And one stayed as ProServe and the other became Advantage. And to tell you how great it was and they split clients and everything and so that was the same year that i went to work was the year that michael jordan came out so michael jordan ended up signing with ProServe, and we got another player out of carolina sam perkins so at the oh. thing you know who's a center so at yeah. the time you know we thought we won because we got the big man you know <laughs> right yeah you get the big man like yeah you're good. got the big man but history has proven who won that deal so <laughs> Yeah. And so, so how long was it before that you decided to do your own thing and take the entrepreneurship so, route? Yeah, I worked there about a, you know, I think it was a couple of years, you know, a couple of years I worked there and, you know, I still hadn't, you know, it was a, uh, it was a salary job and I still hadn't uh, kind of made my way back to my Xerox uh, revenue numbers. Yep. And so once I realized that, you know, the, the big firms were run like a law firm and the partners made the money and the, you know, the, the smaller guys did not. So uh, I just made the decision that, you know, give it a shot on my own since we couldn't we couldn't uh, agree upon what my worth was. Mm, so. That's that's so. So was the uh, the first company, was it was it a, a Neil Star? No, when I left uh, Advantage, I started with Stringer Stringer Enterprises. Mm, okay. Yeah. Stringer Enterprises. Yeah. yeah. And so you were still in the DMV area during that time? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so so how was that transition? I mean, talk entrepreneurship, yeah. like the challenges. Well, the, it, was the a, it, it was a challenge, you know, and in, in, in when I left, I took one client with me. And during that time, there was a, you know, over that time, there were a lot of, uh, things happening. In fact, the guy that had hired me at Advantage left two months after he hired me. And uh, and that was really one of the reasons I went there. He was from yeah. Ohio, too, by the way. He was from, you know, the, the Cleveland area and it played, you know, at Duke. And so he ended up hiring me. And then he left to, to take a job at the PGA Tour. And uh, so and he was a guy that actually had signed uh, Dan Marino with the firm for marketing. And so at that time, you know, Danny was, uh, since the other guy was leaving, Danny was going to leave. And, and he suggested to the firm, hey, you, gotta, you guys ought to let Ralph talk to Dan. Maybe they'll, you know, have some chemistry. And, of course, you know, I'd only been there, you know, like three or four months. And, right. you know, they weren't going to sign me to, to, you know, one of the big clients. And so he was assigned to someone else. And that didn't work real well. So I, they figured, well, we got nothing to lose. So they, you know, had me. Uh, talk with him and then eventually we kind of build a bond and you know for the next couple of years I was the only guy he talked to you know wow and so when I left you know his deal he decided to resign and but he had said at that time hey I'm going to resign but it's a year to year and if you leave I, I can leave so 
and so when it when it came about that I was going to leave, you know, I said, hey, you remember you said that, right? Is that <laughs> right, right, right. really the case? And he was like, hey, if you're gone, I'm gone. So I left and I had, you know, one client and everyone said, well, hey, you, you had Dan Marino. So, you know, you didn't really take a big risk, but, you know, so your life was good. What people don't understand is when you have a big client like that, you know, Dan had all multi-year deals. Right. So all of his deals paid the old company. Mm. until they were up so now yeah. i'm servicing him and i have him as a client but the old company still gets that revenue until you know those deals expire so it was but i had some corporate clients that kind of helped me you know jump off but it, it you know it's a grind when you go out on your own because everybody thinks it's going to be great and i went out and you know got six months free office space so because i could get six months free I may have overindulged a little bit, you know, I'm in the big high rise with the four right. and I mean, six months, Sean, I'm going to be rolling, man. I don't have to worry about anything. Right. Six months. You know, all of a sudden it's five months, four months, three way. Hey, Hey, we need a little more revenue here. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, but you know, I had a couple clients, but uh, my corporate clients at that point, I was doing the, you know, three on three basketball for uh, Anheuser-Busch. So we were doing those inner city, the street tournaments, you know, we had that and some stuff like that, but it was, uh, you know, it was a grind, man. So, so I want you to speak to this um, because we stress this to the young people we work with the, the power of relationships. And so you think about the relationship between you have with Dan and then, yeah. I mean, the business you're in now, you've been in for decades is about relationships yeah. uh, with people the, that work at the different companies. They switch Just speak briefly to yeah the powers of, of relationships. Well, and I would say this, there's nothing like relationships. It's funny that, you know, Danny talks about it all the time. And, and so one of the reasons why with him as a client, he's had such long-term deals with people is because of the relationships and how you treat people. So I, I actually started the minority internship for the PGA tour years ago to get more, you know, minorities in the business of golf. I also launched it for NASCAR the first year that they had it. And so some of those guys, Sean, that I started there, like w one of the guys that was in my minority internship, you know, ended up working for my old firm. Then he ended up being an attorney for the uh, NFL, working in uh, AOL, working at different places. And, and, you know, I'm doing deals with guys that were originally interns of mine. One of my, when I left, when I was at Advantage, I had an intern who I ended up hiring when I went out on my own, you know, that, that guy now has one of the largest sports marketing companies in the country. And yeah. I do deals with him all the time. He's got yeah. Pepsi as a, you know, he did the Pepsi NFL activation when they did their deal with, uh, with the league. Mm. So all of that was because of, you know, those relationships. So now, you know, the, the, uh, for us in credibility, there's nothing like, establishing a relationship and I always tell people you know you have to show what you can do before you think it's important you know everybody comes in and I and I remember having to fire someone once and 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 I remember her words and she said well you never gave me a chance and I and I and I had to say to her you know I, I was giving you a chance every day every day but when you fax a document upside down and a company gets blank pages you know 
that's, that's a chance. a chance. Yeah. When you when you put a FedEx envelope in the mailbox, that was a chance, right? Ooh. And so now, you know, I have no choice because once you start to make us look bad, you know, then it's beyond you. And so, and and then we we now are in a very you know, risky situation with clients, you know, when, because the reason you FedEx something is it's important to get there right. the next day. You know, the reason you fax something is it's important to get there right now. Right. You know, in those days it was fax, you know, email, but, but, you know, so, so it's like every, every chance you get. And for me, 90% of the people I hired were from internships. You know, yeah. and so, or if someone calls me to, to, you know, to, with the reference of someone, or I have to make a reference for somebody, you know, I'm only going to do it if I believe in, you know, what they've shown me. And so that's part of that relationship business. And, and for me, man, I, I, people that I dealt with 30 years ago, I'm still dealing with now. Yeah. That's you know, powerful. I can make that call, and they can make that call to me, and I know where they I know where they're coming from. That so, trust, that bond, our relationships. Go ahead, continue. Yeah, and and we talk with players, and so you know, for the young people, you know, I tell athletes all the time, you know, when you when you're on a plane and you're sitting beside someone, and you know, and 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 there's a discussion, I mean, you know, show yourself the way you want to be seen. Get that, get the number. If if you don't want to deal with them, give it to us. And you establish those relationships. And we've done so many deals, you know, from that type of situation. But, you know, your relationships will follow you and lead you or they will follow you and sink you. Yeah, that's good. Oh, You're oh. right. Wise words, wise words. The um, I, I love that concept of basically every opportunity is a chance, you know, no matter how small, how large it yeah. is, it's a yeah. chance. And so thinking through that, like with that, like this is the chance to show who I am, yeah. what I'm about, what I can do, what I cannot do. It, it'll tell you if you look at opportunity, yeah, it, every opportunity has a chance. It, wow, that's strong. It's a tryout. And, and, and I always tell people, you never know who's looking. Right. And I, I'll give an example. A guy that I did a deal with once. Right. He used to he hired uh, people in the restaurant business, you know, like he hired a number of waitresses. Right. And uh, like a lot, I, I was with him one time and, you know, waitress thought he was trying to, you know, hit on her. And he was like, you know, he says, uh, I'd like you to come interview for my company. She was like, you know, she's probably used to hearing it. He right. said, no, 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 no. He says, let me tell you something. He said, the one thing I've noticed, right, is I've been here. And while we were here, you've treated this place like it was your place, not like you were working for somebody. And you treated us like it was your place. And those are the people I want working for me. And, and let me tell you, he, he was in, you know, commercial real estate. So he's had some of these people are transitioned from, you know, what they were making to, you know, really great incomes. Yeah. And it's, and it's that kind of thing. And we've all seen it. You know, the sad thing is sometimes it's an exception when you go somewhere and you're treated nice. It is. And you yeah. notice that person. It's like, wow, this this is this is the kind of person I want representing my company. And so we're we've gotten to the point where we're used to people being rude, you know, that works, you know, at, at places, especially you go to a fast food restaurant. <laughs> right. Like, you know, it's the norm. And you're shocked when someone 
you know, treats you like well and interacts and smiles. And that should be the norm. And yeah. so people have to understand you are all somebody's always looking and you don't know which person's looking at you that can help you get to the next level. Yeah. So, you know, you got to always shine that light the way you want it to be seen. So that's so true. It's interesting when you brought up the um, the fast food scenario or, or analogy. Yeah. Yeah. It also made me think about, you know, they traditionally have they have a bad rep and it's and it's, and it's earned. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no matter where I go, I see Chick-fil-A lines around the corner. Yes, sir. And, and, and not crazy. only the food, things of nature, but their service and, and the way they treat you is, is, is separate from the um, most other fast food industries. And so so like, yeah. so that, that's a small illustration yeah. to your point. Well, I'll give you another one. And my kids picked it up. So we were in. So they they now love Wawa gas stations. Right. And, you know, we were in a gas station once. And a person was walking around training, right? Training the employees. And, and, and my kids heard this and they say it all the time. Now when we're someplace and they see bad treatment, they repeat it. And the trainer said, customer before task. Mm. You know, if you're going to do something, the customer comes before the task, right? And how many times I've been in, I've been in a food store where I asked something and the person said, I'm on my break you know yeah. and yeah. my kids now when they hear somebody doing something like that they'll turn to me at 12 and 14 customer before task how about that i you like know, that it's a simple phrase but it's like okay i know you're doing something but you're gonna you're on your break and you can't answer a question that's not who you want working for you exactly customer before task customer and so task. so ralph as we begin to close here as you know, the mission of Orange Arrow is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. Why is it important for a student athlete to be successful outside of their sport? Well, I mean, primarily, we all know that, you know, the, the, the sports career in, in terms of life is a very short time frame. And if you look at whether it's high school, college or pros, you know, it's a very short term frame. If you play four years of high school ball and go nowhere else, you have the rest of your life. If you play four years of high school, four years of college, you still have the rest of your life. And most professional athletes, I mean, it's a it's you know, if you if you played five to 10 years, you've had a career. Yeah. And so for ath athletics is probably one of the few careers where you're retiring at 30 to 38. You know, not many Tom Brady's around here. That's true. So, so now you have to go on and live the rest of your life. And, you know, we hear the big salaries, but not everybody makes enough money to live for another 60 years. You know, so, right. the, so what the knowledge you gain and how you go about being able to survive in the world is uh is important and the one thing we we sometimes forget and people need especially student athletes need to understand when you are very good in athletics okay at a very young age you're treated differently and you're treated special and when that talent goes away that special treatment goes away and so if you're not prepared to move on and be special in some other way you're going to be greatly disappointed because there's nothing 
that replaces the cheers of those fans, even on the high school level, when you run out there on the field, because we hear it all the time. I mean, you know, people talk about, man, I remember that touchdown. I remember this. I remember that. Right. And, and, you know, when that's gone, can you do something else that people remember about you and that you feel good about doing? I love it. I love it. I love it. Ralph, Warren, Ohio's finest, a.k.a. Iceman. Iceman. The brother Ralph, Phil Cox. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you, boss. Thank you for your continued support. Look Likewise, forward to staying man. connected. My I guy. appreciate what you're doing out there. Keep it up, man, because the kids need it. My guy, appreciate you. All right. Take care. Peace.